Welcome to Left in the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. This show is created with the intention of helping others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping others in their own way. You may also hear me follow up with a guest I have hypnotized on an online edition of Love from the Hip, which is available on YouTube. Together, we can all make a difference, and it begins with love, love from the hip. In the 1930s, when addiction was first studied, it was said to be related to people who were morally flawed or lacking in willpower. And so the treatment called for punishment rather than care or prevention. Today, addiction is seen as an illness. According to the NIDA, or the National Institute on Drug Abuse, addiction is considered a brain disease because it changes the structure of the brain and its function. Drugs and alcohol affect the brain by tapping into its communication system and interfering with the way neurons normally send, receive, and process information. Also, these drugs of abuse, directly or indirectly, target the brain's reward system by flooding the circuit with dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter responsible for regulating movement, emotion, motivation, and feelings of pleasure. This system rewards natural behaviors at normal levels. Drugs overstimulate the system, producing strong euphoric effects which reinforce the behavior of drug use and causes the user to repeat the use. Natural rewards like eating or having sex, for example, release dopamine as well. But drugs of abuse can release two to ten times the amount of dopamine, and the effects can last much longer than normal rewards. The effects of such a powerful reward motivates addicts to take the drugs again and again, as well as engage in pleasurable activities out of moderation, which is what can make gambling, sex, and shopping an addiction as well. As a result, with the continued abuse, the brain will adjust to the surges of dopamine given by the drugs or alcohol and not only reduce the receptors that can receive signals, but also dramatically reduce the level of dopamine, lowering the, lowering the person's ability to experience any pleasure. This then creates a vicious cycle where the person has to take more drugs in order to bring their dopamine level to normal, as well as take even larger amounts because of the effects of the tolerance. One revolutionary mind in history who knew addiction too well was Sigmund Freud. In the 1880s, Freud experimented with cocaine, which was given to rejuvenate exhausted German troops. He became a big advocate for it until his friend, Ernst von Fleischel Marxow, became severely addicted. Almost 10 years later, Freud came up with a concept which today has revolutionized understanding the addict and the addiction. Freud's psychoanalytic theory organizes the mind into three conflicting parts, the ego, the superego, and the id. The id is impulsive, instinctive, childlike, and desires instant pleasure. The id is said to be the animal part of the personality, the unconscious drive to have lots of sex, survive, and thrive. The ego, where the conscious mind lives, acts as the adult and tries to mediate the id and the superego whilst getting pulled in both directions. The superego distinguishes right from wrong, and its parent function is to control the impulses of the id, but also punish the ego with feelings of guilt and shame. In the case of an addict, the id is the part that craves the drug or alcohol. Modern-day neuroscientists would locate the id in the amygdala, which is that part of the brain which detects threats in the environment and is responsible for the fight-or-flight response, whereas the ego is more compatible with the contemporary knowledge of the prefrontal cortex. This explains why people who suffer from PTSD have a hyperreactive amygdala and a less activated prefrontal cortex and are also more susceptible to having addictions. Freud felt that humans were obsessively at war within themselves inside their own minds. His goal of psychoanalysis was to put our minds at ease by strengthening the ego or the I. Freud desired to make us aware of the unconscious motives that drive our life and to better manage, integrate, and accept them. Freud also believed anxiety repressed the ego. Today, science has named anxiety as a driving factor in psychoanalysis, and addiction is purely just a defense against anxiety. In fact, overwhelming anxiety can make a person rely on defense mechanisms such as projection, avoidance, regression, and denial. This is why addicts frequently deny having a problem. Abusing drugs also brings instant self-confidence and acceptance while creating this delusional place where they can feel in control and have purpose. Ironically, however, however, by using, 
addicts invoke more of what they aim to protect against in the first place. Of course, not only can addiction be treated successfully, but so too can its powerful disruptive effects on the brain and behavior so that one can gain control of their life again. And part of the journey to regain control over one's life is to remove the false sense of self which is developed through addiction. Just as Freud emphasized the need for self-acceptance for psychological growth, to end the life-consuming struggle to be the person one wishes they were and instead be who they really are, so too does it seem to be an effective psychodynamic approach for overcoming addiction. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Paul Leslie. Paul is a recovery and life success coach. We will discuss his journey with addiction as well as his tips for maintaining sobriety. And later on the show, we will open up the phone lines so that if you or a loved one is struggling with recovery or sobriety, you can call in. So stick around after this quick break. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast on Podcast One, Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Today I have the pleasure of having Paul Leslie on my show. Paul is a recovery and life success coach. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Sakira. Uh, pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Yeah, and where are you joining us from? I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Oh, do you have any snow yet? Uh, later today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Welcome to fall, winter? <laughs> winter, yeah, winter. something like that. <laughs> So what addiction did you struggle with and for how long, Paul? Uh, my biggest addiction was with alcohol itself, um, which is to say that it was the drug of choice, but I also dabbled in marijuana and opiates. Okay. And for how long did that go on? Oh, good 15 plus years. Okay. So what was the turning point for you to sober up? There... You know, there's there was more than one, okay. uh, just like the path to addiction uh, doesn't involve just a solitary incident. Uh, a lot of times sobering up or recovery is, you know, many instances. And for me, the first one happened in 2010 when at the age of 35, I was two steps shy of having a full blown heart attack or stroke due to my drinking. Hmm. Um, and then it took me another five and a half years of research, if you will, uh, to finally get to the point where I was feeling suicidal mm -hmm. and I had that, that thought of, you know, I can't drink or I can't live with it and I can't live without it. So what's the point? I might as well just end it. Uh, and it was when, I, as soon as I had that thought, uh, I had a, a God moment if you will. And for me, my higher power spoke to me and very forcefully said, no, you don't. You have not done what I put you here to do. You need to get to work. Hmm. Uh, two days later, I found myself back in the rooms of AA and I've been sober ever since. Okay. And had you always been a spiritual person up until that point? Uh, to, to one degree or another, uh, I was raised in a very confusing uh, household. I had a Roman Catholic mother and a Mormon father. And they encouraged that uh, me and my brother, you know, find our own way. Uh, I have been baptized as LDS. Uh, I have since left the church. And now I find myself on a spiritual journey, uh, but not connected to any religion. Okay. And was that the first time that you heard this higher self? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe I'd felt it before, mm -hmm. uh, but this is the first time that I, I heard it. Uh, and uh, 
frankly, it, it scared me on a couple of different levels. Uh, and one of them was the realization that there absolutely was higher power. Uh, the other side of that coin was, am I hallucinating? Hmm. Um, but because of the message, uh, I chose to go with higher power. So what did you do from that point? Uh, I got, well, I got sober, first of all, I knew that was intellectually, I knew that was my first step because, uh, the same mind that creates the problem, uh, can't get you out of it. So I need to clear, clear the fog. Mm -hmm. Well, and that requires, uh, you know, really sobering up. And so that was my concentration for the first three months is just not drink or, or use anything in mind altering substance was my first step. After that, I, I started sponsoring people in AA and, and that what my higher power said to me has, has stuck with me that I had to get to work, that I hadn't done what I was put here to do. And for me, that turned into helping other people uh, get out of the jam. And helping people get out of the jam, is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Well, I want to get back into your story, but we're going to have to take a quick break. But remember, okay. this is a live show, and if you would like to ask Paul a question about recovery or sobriety, please feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527 after this quick break. Is your tween starting to experience a change in their skin? Want to get them on an easy at-home routine and have good skin hygiene? Allow Sakura Skin in Mind to help your tween out. This brief, deep cleansing and educational 35-minute facial is just enough to get your tween, ages 10 to 12 years old, started off in the right direction. Sakura Skin in Mind uses the latest in the clinical skincare industry to care for your tween the right way for just $65. Sakura Skin in Mind, treating skin out there with an of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray, free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech, a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, Post-procedure sensitivities? Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Peach fuzz is great if it's on a peach. Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Don't forget to tune in right here on KKNW every Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. for more Love from the Hip. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Paul Leslie. Paul is a recovery and life success coach. And if you would like to ask him a question about sobriety or recovery, feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So, Paul, before the break, you were explaining how you heard your higher self or, or source or God, if you will, come forward and say they're not done with you yet. You have a purpose. But what was your reason for your addictions in the first place? You know, that's a great question. And, and I truly wish more people would 
inquire about that, uh, you know, the addiction or the substance, in my case, alcohol or marijuana or opiates, uh, is just a symptom of what my actual addiction is. And I was addicted to avoiding my feelings. Hmm. Uh, I, I didn't start drinking to any severity until I was in my middle 20s, right about the time I was going through a particularly nasty divorce. Okay. And, you know, I, I needed something to avoid how I was feeling and it snowballed over time. And next thing you know, uh, it's, it's a chemical addiction as well as a mental addiction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so would you say that avoidance is pretty common as far as a I would, I would say uh, avoiding emotions is one of the root uh, causes of addiction. Uh, we get a little bit of a taste of it. Uh, you know, we, we have a bad day and we drink to forget, mm-hmm. you know, or mommy needs a wine. You know, you, you hear these things all the time. And it's because that's actually what alcohol and drugs are good for is it gives you that that temporary peace of mind so you don't have to deal with what's actually going on in your life. Yeah. But ironically, it probably made you feel more in control. It it, it made me feel in control in the beginning uh-huh. until it was a problem. Right. Uh, and then from there, it just snowballs and it causes more problems than it solves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you then became a recovery and life success coach, correct? Yes. Okay. And how long have you been that? I've been a recovery coach for a little over two years. Uh, And before that, I was doing sponsorship in AA, but I kept asking myself, what's next or what's the next level? Because while I enjoyed sponsorship, I did see its limitations Hmm. uh, in, in so much as uh, being a sponsor in AA, you only deal with AA stuff, but there's a lot more going on in life that people need to address if they're going to live, you know, the life of their dreams, the life that they believe they were meant for. Yeah. And so I wanted to be able to help people on that deeper level. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the limitations, then, just to clarify, is the recovery or the coaching stopping at AA or rehab. Is that correct? Yes, because it only focuses on the addiction and and some of the causes of the addiction. But I believe that a lot of people suffer from anxiety and depression because they don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And AA and rehab, they don't address that big question that most human beings have is, you know, why am I here? What's my purpose? And that's where I like to come in and help people zero in on on what their purpose is. That way they can lead a fulfilling life and not have any need to be avoidant. Okay. So you would say addiction then, you know, they don't know who they are. But also, would you say then the addiction also takes them further away from who they are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for... For, for me and my experience and some of my clients, uh, the deeper you get into the addiction, you know, you're still avoiding. You're not really embracing who you are. You're not facing it. You're not facing your emotions or any of those things. So it just takes you so much further away. And people have asked me, well, you know, what's the number one reason you don't drink or use anymore? And my answer is always because I don't want to dim my shine. <laughs> I, I've, I've come to love who I am, and I don't want to dull that. <laughs> and, and I want to gift that to other people. Yeah, that's wonderful. So how does, let's go into your coaching. How does it differ from traditional recovery coaching? Uh, again, uh, traditional recovery coaching gets people in the early stages of recovery um, up to including the planning stage where they understand they have a problem, but they don't know what to do about it. And recovery coaching typically ends with getting people into a program or getting them into a rehab. Uh, But once somebody comes out of those programs or say finishes the 12 steps, uh, recovery coaching doesn't deal with the rest of the life issues. Mm -hmm. 
So it's how to integrate. Yes. Mm-hmm. How to how to make a life. Right. So what are some modalities that you bring into your work? Also a good question. Uh, I do uh, neuro-linguistic programming, so NLP. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of timeline and parental uh, therapies in there, uh, some dissociation so that you can get a more objective look at some of your memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, always a favorite of mine. Uh, motivational interviewing, uh, where the the client gets to lead the conversation and and answer these things, answer these big questions for themselves without being told what they should or shouldn't be doing with their life. Okay. So they get to lead the conversation, you said? Absolutely. It's all about them. Right. Well, and everybody's journey is different, right? And their whole reason for having the addiction in the first place is different, too. So... Yeah, everybody's uh, story is different. Everybody's perspective is different. And, you know, we don't want to take away from that because mm-hmm. that's that's what makes people unique. Uh, so I want to help them get what they want out of life, but in a healthy way. And so what are the what's the parental timeline? Can you explain more about that? Well, a lot of people have have built beliefs uh, in their life. Uh, and usually, you know, a lot of our early beliefs come from those people closest to us. Uh, and at an early age, those people are usually the parents. So we end up adopting some of their beliefs, even if they're not truly ours, and never taking the, the time to examine those and see if that's a belief that, that we actually want. We just adopt it from our parents. Mm-hmm. So the parental timeline is going back to those early memories and and using your perspective as an adult now to re-examine those situations in your life in childhood where you adopted a belief but now that you have a new lens to look through because you're an adult you can maybe see a bigger picture of what was going on in a situation say with your mom or your dad uh, where you picked up that belief but it it wasn't yours it you were indoctrinated, mm-hmm. if you will, but because you held on to those beliefs and they're not yours, it's causing that incongruence in your life and it causes you to do some really wild stuff, including addictive behaviors. Right, right. And that timeline and those beliefs aren't necessarily revolving around um, drugs or alcohol, right? As far as oh, what absolutely. your parents believe. Uh, we're, we're talking, you know, you could be working on a memory from when you were seven, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and most of us didn't have a problem with drugs or alcohol at age seven. Uh, but those seeds were being planted that, that incongruence that sitting away from your own purpose and trying to adopt somebody else's. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you use the neuro-linguistic programming, you're anchoring more positive behaviors, correct? Uh, anchoring is definitely uh, one of those in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NLP is just a fascinating. There's there's so many different modalities in there. We could have a week long conversation about it. <laughs> yes, I um, do NLP myself, so I'm very savvy. Okay. It's very powerful. I'm just curious how you use it with addiction. So, uh, examining beliefs. Uh, if I want to put it in a nutshell, that's that's what I would say is re-examining your beliefs and your values mm-hmm. to see if they still serve you. Right, right, okay. And then disassociation, you said also that you use, and I would imagine you're using that to disassociate from traumas. Yes, um, a, again, being able to go and, and change how you feel uh, about an event in your past, now that you have, you know, uh, older eyes, I guess, to look at it from. Right. And also kind so of give you a coping mechanism, right? Yes, because, yeah. you know, I, I grew up in my household. It wasn't uh, the kindest or gentlest. But now that I, I'm in a good place, I can look back at some of those memories of, say, my stepfather and and, and see where he was coming from mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, because with my immature mind at the time, I came to a lot of 
wrong conclusions, but they were right for me at the time, but I just held on to them. Right, exactly. Okay. So what are some ways to maintain sobriety? Uh, you only have to change one thing in sobriety, and that's everything. <laughs> um, you know, you have to uh, pick better playmates. Okay. Uh, for one, you, uh, you are the people that you hang out with the most. So if, you, if your core group of friends all still uh, use in an addictive way, you know, you'll probably fall back yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so going out there and finding, finding some new friends that, that will fan your flames uh, is definitely one thing that changed my life. And I've seen it change my clients' lives too. It's hard. It's heart-wrenching heart to walk away from people that you care about, but upon closer examination, do they care about you? Mm -hmm. Um and a lot of times, you know, I've had it happen to me where somebody offers me a drink knowing full well that I'm that I'm in recovery and they'll say things like, oh, one's not going to hurt you. And and that's how it happens. Right. You know, we 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 adopt that belief all of a sudden. Oh, you're right. I've been doing great. One won't hurt me. And then next thing you know, it's three years later and you're detoxing again. Yeah, that's. That's trouble. Um, and and so the friendship thing is one for sure. And then I love to help my clients figure out their career path. Career path. Uh, because if, like me, if I'm in a job that does not fulfill me, I'm going to try to find a way to do that fulfilling some other way. Mm. Uh, so helping them live more in their purpose and, and getting enjoyment from their labor. Okay. Well, Paul, I hate to interrupt you right there, but we'll come back to more tips on maintaining sobriety. But we're going to take a quick break. But remember, this is a live show. So if you would like to ask Paul a question about recovery or sobriety, please feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. And be sure to stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny. On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to discuss sagging or crepey skin. Sagging skin is caused by a loss of collagen and elastin in addition to a loss of fat. Collagen provides the structural framework for the skin and helps keep it firm, while the elastin is a protein with highly elastic properties which allow the skin to stretch and bounce back, much like a rubber band, keeping the skin tight. Fat cells, as we all know, fill space and provides plumpness. As we age, all three of these tend to diminish in the face. Let's debunk some myths about skin sagging. Does running cause sagging? While the bouncing up and down while you're jogging would seem to cause damage to collagen, it is actually not the case. If anything is causing damage to collagen while you're running, it is the sun exposure while running that is doing so. Extended time outdoors with UV exposure can break down the collagen over time, so it is imperative to wear sunscreen as well as antioxidants. What about sleeping on your stomach? Does that cause the skin to sag? While your sleep position will cause sleep wrinkles from the pillow tugging at delicate skin while you sleep, this will not cause the skin to sag. Some things to prevent the wrinkles and fine lines while you sleep would be to sleep on your back or also try satin pillowcases. What about doing facial exercises? Do these help with skin sagging? While facial exercises will increase the size of facial muscles and in turn help with slacking skin, frequency of these movements will lend to more wrinkles and fine lines. Does weight loss cause skin sagging? Yes, when you gain weight, the skin will stretch to accommodate the new weight. When you lose weight because of the lack of elasticity, as we age, the skin will not bounce back. This is where the use of injectable fillers can help or the use of topical bioavailable vitamin A. Lastly, does rubbing skincare products on in an upward motion prevent sagging? As an esthetician who rubs people's skin repeatedly every day in facials, the skin cannot tell whether I'm rubbing the collagen and elastic fibers up or down. Both of these directions help to stimulate oxygen and blood flow to the skin. Also, the downward motions that I apply on the skin, I use to help stimulate lymph drainage, which helps to drain fluid retention in the face. The best way to deal with sagging skin at home is with the use of bioavailable topical vitamin A, which stops the sag from the inside out. It helps increase collagen production and in turn thickens the skin while minimizing wrinkles and slowing down the aging process. Microneedling or medical needling 
is one of the best professional treatments to help stimulate not only collagen, but also elastin, which we are born with less of. Doing microneedling or medical needling coupled with chemical peels while using a topical bioavailable vitamin A like that from Environ is a great regimen to combat sagging or crepey skin. If you would like to start stimulating more collagen and elastin or are interested in trying microneedling, then email me at sakura at sakuraskinandmind.com. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more, sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U. URA skinandmind.com. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And feel free to email me at sakuraatlovefromthehip.com with your comments, your criticisms, your questions, and well wishes. Let me know how I am doing. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Paul Leslie. Paul is a recovery and life success coach, and if you would like to ask him a question about sobriety or recovery, feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So, Paul, before the break, you were starting to give us tips on maintaining sobriety, and number one was picking better playmates. Number two is career path or purpose. What's next? What's next? Yeah. Uh, in maintaining sobriety. Maintaining sobriety. Uh, start getting rid of all the things that don't serve you. Uh, that was integral in my sobriety is, um, you know, we're, we're a capitalist society and we're so encouraged to get more and learn more and do more and be more but nobody really teaches us to get rid of all the stuff that isn't us. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me and a lot of my clients, is it's a matter of stripping away and getting rid of all the stuff that's really not ours. Right. That uh, doesn't inspire us, that doesn't light us up. And it's a process, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. But you, people, uh, my clients, they need to start asking themselves, do I even really want to do this? You know, uh, why do I do this? Okay. Uh, things like that. And then they can start taking steps to, to getting, getting rid of things. So less is more in this case. So stripping away the material, but also you're saying looking at your passions and your hobbies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, most, most people never take the time to, to really look at those. We, we understand the things that bring us pleasure uh, that's that's an easy one to spot, but taking a closer look at the things that bring us enjoyment, and enjoyment isn't always pleasurable. Uh, you know, I, I love to build things with my hands, especially uh, with wood, including canoes and stuff. And sometimes it's a total pain in the butt, mm -hmm. and I get frustrated, <laughs> and and I just want to throw tools. But by and large, I really enjoy it. So. Uh, learning to uncover the things that you actually enjoy doing, even though they might be a pain in the butt sometimes. Yeah. And just kind of paying attention to what you're doing with your free time. Yes. Okay. And uh, filling it, track right? Of what you do with your time. <laughs> okay. All right. And filling that time up. Yep. Uh, using a calendar uh, made a big difference in my life. Okay instead of just winging it day by day, you know, I was able to start setting goals and having plans 
and sticking to a, a schedule and a routine. And I have to get X done at two o'clock today mm-hmm. instead of just waking up in the morning and just ad-libbing it. Okay. All right. And you had told me before, and I was wondering if you could briefly tell my listeners about even using a calendar for moderation management. Uh, sure. Can you explain um, that? Well, in business, there's a saying that what can be measured can be improved upon. Uh, so a lot of people, you know, they, especially for me, I would measure my drinking in fifths or, or 12 packs or cases uh, which yes is a measurement, but I wasn't keeping track of how much I drank from say five to 6 PM or seven to eight. And in moderation management, if you're able to really keep closer looking books, you can get a better view of, of how much you're actually drinking and when you start to lose control of it. And with that knowledge, you can start making changes if you so choose. So if you notice that your pattern is that you start to get obliterated between seven and eight, uh, you can pay more attention to that and hopefully uh, dial it back some, mm-hmm. knowing, oh, it's almost seven, I, I need to slow down now. Uh, and then just keeping track of how much you consume. Uh, so I'm, I'm moderation management, uh, may work for some people, but even in the rooms of AA, in the big book, uh, it tells you if you're not sure if you're an alcoholic, then try to control it. Hmm. Uh, You know, go into a bar and just have one drink Mm -hmm. and then do it again and and see if that works. But if it's not working for you, then perhaps um, an abstinence-based recovery might be the ticket. And you had said also, aside from writing down how much you're drinking per day, also then go to the dollar amount that you're spending per day, correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you look at the end of the month and you'll be like, where did all my money go? Yeah. Well, intellectually, we, we know that we spent it all on booze or drugs or whatever, but we haven't actually put in a dollar amount to it. And when we start doing that, uh, for me, I was like, oh, man, I could be driving like a brand new car. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, if I spent that money on a car instead of drinking it away. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people uh, are very uh, aware uh, of spending money. But we, we tend to ignore things when we're in the grips of addiction because we're living in that moment. And we're like, hey, it's only eight bucks. Mm-hmm. Or it's only 20 bucks, but you start adding it all up. And uh, at the end of a month or even a year, you might be like, oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So can I ask you then, I mean, this is a tough question, but when is the right time to admit that you're an addict? Um, There, that can come from a lot of sources. Uh, You know, if you're asking yourself that question, you know, do I have a problem? the chances are you probably do. Mm. Uh, There's that some part of your being that's trying to tell you what's going on. Um, But on the external side, also, you know, when you're when your friends are telling you that, hey, dude, you got a problem. uh, You might want to listen to them. Uh, I know in my life that, you know, I hung around other alcoholics and even they were saying I had a problem. So when another drunkard tells me I drink too much, that's, that's a pretty good indicator. And then for addiction, you know, there's that craving. Hmm. If you are craving your, your substance, whether it be alcohol or, or anything else, and you're like, your mouth is watering, thinking about it, uh, th- that's, that's a big clue that there's a problem there. Yeah. Um, And for some substances, you know, when you get chemically addicted to it and you start having the shakes and you need like a half pint of of vodka just so you can function in the morning, that's a pretty big clue too. I mean, the, the, the clues are there and they're not very subtle if you choose to listen to them. Okay. 
So in your experience as a life recovery coach, what are the common reasons for addiction that you find or see? Uh, trauma. Mm. Uh, trauma is a big one. And trauma is often misunderstood that when we think of trauma intellectually, that something big and nasty had to have happened. And that's just not the case. Uh, we can experience emotional trauma as children or as teenagers and where from somebody else's point of view, it doesn't look like much, but in the moment, in your emotions, it may have felt like the end of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so everybody's entitled to feel how they feel. Unfortunately, society uh, can minimize those feelings. And then we play along and say, oh, you know, looking back, it wasn't that bad but they've never done the work to go back and see or change how they feel about that emotional state at that moment. So trauma is one of the big, big issues in there in a lot of people's lives. Okay. And that's almost universal that there was some kind of emotional trauma that we wanted to escape uh, reliving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So does AA or rehab actually address that trauma or is that, is that what's missing? Uh, that is, in my opinion, missing an AA. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in AA, you're just supposed to turn it over to God and and be done with it. Uh, in rehabs, you know, you you do have therapy there, and you're talking with a therapist, and you're going over a lot of those issues. Uh, but a lot of rehabs also focus on cognitive behavioral therapy. And they put the onus squarely on your shoulders based on your behaviors. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't want A to happen, then you got to do this. And I feel it's just skimming the surface. Yeah. And uh, I believe that the real work and the real change comes from the deep work and being deeply honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the first step, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to have to take another break. So everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech, a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech topical skin spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Just $100 for the first session. Learn more. Sakura Skin and Mind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A Skin and Mind. Com. Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. 
Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and ah, subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast on Podcast One, Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. And if you are just joining us today, I have the pleasure of interviewing recovery and life success coach, Paul Leslie. So, Paul, before the break, you were talking about in order to really do recovery um, or kind of get over your addictions, you need to do the deeper work. So how does mindfulness then play a role in sobriety? I, I'd like to think that mindfulness plays a very big role in sobriety because it's the questions we start asking ourselves that really drive our change you know asking ourselves why am i doing this why do i feel this way uh, why did i get angry at this person why why do i feel depressed what what emotion am i feeling right now mm-hmm. and not being so so concerned or judgmental about the answer you get uh, being mindful of just trying to observe yourself a little better and therefore you can understand yourself mm-hmm. better and make better decisions going forward okay. um, I do teach clients meditation uh, I, I'm a big fan of Vishen Lakiani's six phase meditation that, that covers a lot of uh, areas in your life including gratitude and appreciation and life visioning okay that's awesome so what is something then you would say to someone who feels that just there's no way they can give up their addiction or or it's just maybe too late just try it on like like a pair of pants just <laughs> try it on and see if you like it yeah you know no expectation there this is your life this is your truth but hey you know Put this on. See how it fits. Okay. And and baby steps. Baby steps. It's all about the little changes. Uh, it's important not to go for the huge, huge goals right away. Uh, because ultimately, if we set big, major goals and we don't hit them, then there's a lot of shame in that. And we really beat up on ourselves. And we say, oh, why bother? Or, you know, we get embarrassed, uh, even with ourselves, mm-hmm. because why am I not, why am I not good enough? So just little changes, like asking yourself, why am I so upset right now? Why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. And just keep making the little tiny tweaks. And over time, those add up to massive results. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what is something you can say to someone who is standing by watching someone struggle with an addiction? Uh, Learn how to talk to them. Uh, And and by that, I mean, start to use I statements instead of you statements. Say, hey, I couldn't help but notice that maybe you've been drinking a, a lot lately and I've been noticing this behavior. Instead of saying, hey, you've been drinking too much and you need to do this and you need to do that. Just make it a statement about your observations. Um, that way it doesn't feel like a personal attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And I teach this to employers too when they need to approach an employee is make, make I statements. That way you don't put them on the defensive because I guarantee you uh, they will get defensive. Right. Okay. And you still encourage, though, people to step in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, you don't, there's no need to stand by and just watch. Uh, If you can help bring a little bit of awareness 
to that person. It may not help them right then and there, may not help them in six months, but you never know if you just planted the seed for them. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's that's all we can really hope for is that someday they will come around and that we are supportive for them and be their cheerleader, their champion. Right. Okay. So where do you hope to grow from here, Paul? Uh, my big, hairy, audacious goal is to get <laughs> recovery coaching mainstream inside the workplace hmm. um, and working with companies to help get rid of some of that stigma, um, not just around recovery coaching, but around coaching as well. Okay. So how so does that work then? Can I ask you, sorry, with, sure. with you know, law enforcement and fire departments, it, it tends to be a stigma that once you're in therapy, also everybody knows about it. So how would you rectify that issue? Uh, for me, that, that comes down to packaging. Okay. Uh, I was just talking to a business coach just the other day about this very same thing. And they said the, the side door approach that the, the front, the storefront of my business uh, talks about just coaching, you know, life coaching, life success coaching, um, you know, say law enforcement, fire department, if their department's paying them to go see a coach, that's probably not such a big deal. You know, because who wouldn't who wouldn't want to get like a personal trainer? So if you're working with a company that has that in their repertoire as well, then your employer only knows that you're getting coaching or personal training or massages or who knows what. Right. uh, In that whole mind, body, spirit thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they can come see me for recovery help. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you're also aren't you also working on a book? I am. I am co-authoring a book with another life coach uh, based on life purpose and the beliefs that drive them. How to change. I'm sorry, you broke up. Oh, it's a book about life purpose and your beliefs and how, how to take a closer look at your beliefs and change them if necessary to achieve your life purpose. Awesome. And I just want to ask you, too, you do do coaching with other addictions as well, correct? I do. The The lesser known addictions of yeah. anxiety, depression, uh, some eating, uh, gambling, sex. Uh, if it's out of control, uh, let's talk about it. Right. <laughs> and would everything apply to those that you've already gone over as far as maintaining sobriety? Would that apply to those lesser addictions? Oh, absolutely. Uh, a lot of it's mindset, beliefs, and how you deal with your emotions. Okay. All right. Awesome. So how can my listeners contact you or book a session with you? Uh, just go straight to my website. That's paulleslie.com. And there's a booking link on the front page there. And I'd be happy to sit down with you for a complimentary session. And that's a remote session as well. Yes, Okay. And any up, upcoming classes that we can look for? Or? Uh, I've got a few things in the work. I've got a mini course coming up that's home for the holidays. And what's that about? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, if you're early in sobriety and the holidays are coming up, then you get to be around family and alcohol and personalities and how to cope with all those and get through the holiday season without relapsing. Oh, that's perfect timing. Well, thanks again for being here today, Paul. Thank you, Sakura. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And thank you to Eric, my talented producer. Thanks, Eric. (laughs) You can find me at lovefromthehip.com or sakuraskinandmind.com. You can also follow me on Instagram or on Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast on Podcast One, Love From The Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Really love the show or have any questions or comments? Let me know. Sakura at lovefromthehip.com. Tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another Love From The Hip and make self-love Contagious. Go ahead. I dare you.